this. Right? Amen. Do you, do you understand what this is saying? I mean, this is where your, your hope and the foundations are built, built off of. Thank you, Dr. Doherty. Yeah, no, I, I got gotcha. you. Trying to say, the ladies are at the back going, hold on, the kids, before you get all fired up. You guys want to stay up here with us? No. No, I, I'm glad somebody shook their head. Yeah, no, it's at this time there. And I think Wyatt, yeah, Chris is back waiting for you. Chris is waiting for you for junior church. But with all, with all seriousness, we're, we're kind of back to, as we read through that psalm, and every part of me wants to almost go back and just work, work our way through. But uh, as you read those truths, do you understand right, what God is saying here? Right? I, I trust that, that that picture of Christ willingly giving himself on the cross for our sins, the burial, the resurrection of, of Jesus, I trust those truths aren't hidden to you. Right? And I trust that you know them and those are what are leading and governing your life right now. And that's, that's where we're going to be this morning. Um, we're going to be in Luke chapter 18, so I invite you to turn there. But this Psalm, Psalm 22, have you ever stopped to think about how Jesus felt reading it, knowing that it spoke of himself? Right? Have you ever thought about Jesus trying to show others, like physically, like, like rolling out a scroll and saying, this is speaking of me. Do you understand this? That's such a profound, profound thought. And here we are as, as New Testament believers, those of us who have placed our faith in Christ, we have the Spirit who's showing us Christ, right? So that we can understand these things, understand our hope, understand that we have promises that are so far beyond this COVID era, so far beyond how the world is functioning around us, so far beyond, right? And it's because we understand the promises. We understand the Word of God that's before us. Not without some work, not without some uh, digging in and, and, and sometimes sweat, blood, and tears. I, I remember sweating on one of Dr. Doherty's exams that he gave me and, and, and bleeding as well, but literally, that's a story for another time. But... Uh, that's where, where we're going to be in Luke chapter 18, verses 31 to 34. So let's just pray. I've had a lot of things going on this week in a lot of different directions and, and what have you, but um, some very precious moments with God this week for the message. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you for this morning. Lord, we thank you for just the time of worship. Lord, it, it's hard to sit and, and, and not be moved. Lord, by these truths, moved by the notes, moved by your spirit to worship you, Lord, and that's a good thing. Lord, as we look at this text this morning, I pray that it wouldn't just be words. Lord, your, your gospel of the kingdom would come to the forefront. Lord, I pray that the things in our lives that need to be addressed, things that need to be strengthened, things that maybe need to be rebuked, Lord, would, would come to the surface, Lord, and I pray that we would leave here with things to think on. But Lord, it wouldn't be my words. Lord, it would be your truths. It would be your words. It would be your verses. Lord, I pray that we would dig deep this morning. And I pray that your spirit would just lead me. In your precious name. Amen. So Luke chapter 18 
And I mean, it, I, I've tried to cut and, and, and shrink and all that, but it, it basically, what's been on my heart this week from the text, and, and if we're in Luke chapter 18, verses 31 to 34, is right belief leads you to right behavior, right? Right thoughts, right actions, right? If you, if you have a right belief, if you have an orthoproxy, it will lead in your ortho. Right belief equals right behavior, and that isn't always just staying away from sin. Because quite often there, when we, we think about our Christian lives, the idea of, of okay, if I believe that, that God's word is true and I believe these are commands, it will keep me from sin, and then we're content with that. Right? But unfortunately, wait, I've got to stop. Ooh, almost said that wrong. All right, it is, but fortunately, Okay, us as believers, we also recognize that right belief will lead us in right behavior. And, and that is stepping out in faith. That is being assured of, of, of the grounds that we stand on. That is, that is taking advantage of the privileges that we have in Christ and, and, and stepping and walking. So right belief equals right behavior. And if I was to say it this way, what a believer biblically believes, okay? What a believer biblically believes, understands and knows, will be seen in how they behave, right? The decisions that they make, regardless of life situations, regardless of life circumstances, regardless of life events, because they believe God's truth, all right? So, Luke chapter 18, last week we were working through the rich young ruler and uh, the idea of, of surrendering and sacrifice, inheritance. And let's just read the text in verse 31. It says, Then he, Christ, took the twelve aside and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem. All right, this is what's before them. Okay? Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem. And all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished. How sure do you think Jesus was of that? I mean, it was already done. I mean, that, that this, was, this was written in stone. It was going to happen. For he will be delivered to the Gentiles and will be mocked and insulted and spit upon. They will scourge him and kill him, and the third day he will rise again. That's our gospel. That's what we believe, right? That's We understand that Christ died. He willingly sacrificed himself on the cross, and the only way to have a relationship with God the Father to receive eternal life is believing that he died, he was buried, he rose again on the third day, right? As payment, believing that he is the Christ, the Son of God. Then we reach verse 34. Verse 34 says, But they understood none of these things. If the children were still up, I'd ask them, How many is none? <laughs> you know, I mean, that's just kind of a redundant thing, but, but none is none. They understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them, and they did not know the things which were spoken. Really, this is a heartbreaking but powerful thing to understand. So as we come back up to verse 
31. Let's just pull this apart for a couple minutes. Then he took the 12 aside. Who were the 12? I don't know the, yeah, the 12 apostles. They've been appointed at this point. These were the messengers. Um, minus Judas, these would be the church planners. Right? Just, just the fact of recognizing the 12. These were, these were the ones that were there that Jesus was investing in. These are the ones that were there to support Jesus, right? This was a, almost like a family unit that was being groomed for when Jesus left and the Spirit came. Guess who was to continue the work? Right? It was the disciples, right? It was the apostles. So he takes the 12 aside and he says, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem and all things, I want you to think on that. What are the all things in this verse? All things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished. What are the all things? Read the verse. All things that are written by the prophets. What words were written by the prophets? It's our Old Testament text. Right? It was our Old Testament scriptures. Right? All the things is, is the, the Genesis to Genesis to Malachi, right, that they had at this point. Okay? So now read that verse again. Jesus takes the twelve aside and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and all things, Old Testament scriptures, that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished. Why did we read Psalm 22? Because it's prophetic of what was going to happen to the Son of Man. All the things that are going to be accomplished. Right? Just humor me and turn to Isaiah chapter 52. Isaiah 52. And we're back to this picture. Jesus had these scriptures. Jesus taught from these scriptures. As Jesus had these 12 men set aside and, and he, he's showing them all the things that were written by the prophets. Right? We understand it's texts like Isaiah 52. And I wish we had time to, to read um, from verse 13 to the end of the chapter, but I trust that you'll do this at home. Right? But here is a text that is written by a prophet that Jesus was explaining to them. All the things. Isaiah 52 verse 13. Behold... My servant, much like Psalm 22, behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled or lifted up and be very high. Just as many were astonished at you. This is talking about the trials and the suffering and the stripes that he took. Just as many were astonished at you, so his visage or his appearance was marred more than any man and his form more than the sons of men. Who's this talking about? Jesus, that's right. So shall he sprinkle or startle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths at him. For what had not been told them, they shall see. And what they had not heard, they shall consider. Come down to 53, verse 4. Surely he, Jesus, has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yes, we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Can you imagine Jesus reading this? Showing that those 12 men, this, this is what's about to happen. He wasn't just pulling it out and, and, and saying, trust me on it. He was showing them. These were God's words. 
right? He was speaking for the Father. He was connecting those dots. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace, peace with God, was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Now come back to Luke. Luke chapter 18. And read that verse again, knowing, and I wish we had more time to go through and see him in Daniel and see him, and, and I wish we had more time for that. Study that out on your own. Verse 31, Then he took the twelve aside and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished. Right? Everything that God had ever, ever showed man that was about to take place. For he will be delivered to the Gentiles, will be mocked and insulted and spit upon. They will scourge him and kill him, and the third day will rise again. So he took some time to look just at a couple, couple different verses from Isaiah. Um, let's not forget this morning when it comes to the prophets that John the Baptist was the last Old Testament prophet. Do we remember his message as he was preparing the way before the Messiah, before the Lord? Turn with me to John chapter 1. And these weren't just things to be talked about. They were able to, to show them, right? Even just standing with those 12 disciples, we recognize that two of, two of the apostles were following John the Baptist first. They knew this message. They had heard this from this last Old Testament prophet. John chapter 1, verse, verse 19. Now this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? Who are you? John, the Baptist, confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. Right? And we remember from our studies, right, all through the Old Testament, the Messiah the, the anointed, the chosen one, and then the New Testament Greek, right? Christ, the anointed, chosen one. But he says, I am not the Christ. I'm not the, the good one of the world. I'm not the I am. I am not the, I'm not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? That word prophet's capital P there for a reason. Right, that takes us back to Deuteronomy chapter 18. And he answered, no. Then they said to him, who are you that we may give an answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? And he said, guess what? There seems to be a pattern here. Whenever they're explaining who Jesus is, guess where they're going? The Old Testament scriptures, right? John the Baptist is going to describe who he is. Isaiah 40, verse 3. What does he say? I am the voice of of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. <laughs> so Jesus wants to make, make it clear to the disciples what's going to happen to take place. John wants to present himself. Guess what? He's using Old Testament scriptures. Now those who were sent, verse 24, were the, from the Pharisees. And they asked him, saying, Why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, saying, I baptize with water, but there stands one, capital O, 
one among you whom you do not know. It is he, Christ, who coming after me is preferred before me, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to lose. These things were done in Bethabara beyond Jordan, where John was baptizing. 29, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him, and this is our destination, and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Right? Two of those apostles were standing here listening to that. They were following John. Right? What was a lamb used for? Sacrifice for sin. Right? Atonement covering. Right? They understood what John was saying here. The last Old Testament prophet. Behold, the Lamb of God. Who is he pointing towards? Jesus. That's right. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Back to Luke chapter... Ah, yeah, Luke chapter 18. Just put a finger there. Again, the prophets pointed towards him. John the Baptist, the last Old Testament prophet, pointed towards him. Uh, with your finger in Luke 18, I just asked you to stop in Luke chapter 9 very quickly. Because this was not a secret. Because as we recognize that the prophets all pointed towards Christ, um, John the Baptist, right? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But we can't forget that Jesus held a prophetic office as well. Right? Jesus, even there in showing them and explaining there, he knew. He was looking ahead. He spoke for the Father. He had a clear picture of what was coming. Jesus held a prophetic priestly office. And in Luke chapter 9, just beginning, <clears throat> pardon me, um, verse 18. Right? And we recognize this is right at the time where Jesus feeds the 5,000. I mean, there is a huge event that takes place. I mean, just, just beyond boggling the mind. I mean, I mean this is such an authentication that God had sent him. And verse 18 of Luke chapter 9 says, And it happened as he was alone praying that his disciples joined him. And he asked them, saying, Who do the crowds say that I am? I just fed 5,000. I mean, the baskets that were left over. Who do the crowds say that I am? So they answered and said, John the Baptist. But some say Elijah, and others say that one of the old prophets has risen again. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered and said, the Christ of God. We understand what that word, that name Christ means. The anointed chosen of God. The one that all the prophets looked for. The one that John the Baptist was preparing the way before. You are the Christ of God. And he strictly warned and commanded them to tell this to no one. Why are we reading this? Because the next thing that Jesus does, saying, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed and be raised the third day. It's a sobering thing when you recognize the anointed chosen one is going to sacrifice himself. He is going to die. Verse 23, sorry, Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Understanding that Jesus was willingly going to give his life. Just for no reason? No. To pay the, the, the price for sin. The only way so that you and I can have a relationship 
with the Father. Just come a little bit further in the chapter, we have the Mount of Transfiguration, a beautiful picture as Peter, James, and John get a glimpse of the King in His glory. And, and I mean, that picture goes in, I mean, it's, a, it's, a, it's an inside glimpse at what the kingdom will look like. Right there, and, and, and just, just the, the, the position of the king, and it's so many different things, and I won't get on to that. But they come down from the mountain. The, uh, the, the disciples had been trying to cast out a demon. It wasn't working. But Jesus comes in and, and casts them out. Verse 43, And they were all amazed at the majesty of God. But while everyone marveled at all the things which Jesus did, did he said to his disciples, let these words sink down into your ears. For the Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of man. Again, they saw a great work, a lot, of, a lot of wonderful God's hand at work everywhere, and then this sobering thought, don't miss this. Jesus came to die on the cross. Verse 45 but they did not understand this saying. And it was hidden from them so that they did not perceive it. And they were afraid to ask him about this saying. Seems to be a pattern. Jesus keeps showing them, right? And I want to catch it. Let this sink down into your ears. So for the third time in Luke, we find Jesus in Luke chapter 18 explaining to them once again what he is going to go through. So let me just read Luke chapter 18 one more time now that we have a grasp for this. The overview that's before us, for three and a half years, Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom. Repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Turn, right? Turn, believe that I am the Christ, the Son of the living God. These 12 that turn, have, turn aside with Jesus, they'd listen to sermons. They sat underneath Jesus' teaching, the kingdom lessons, the kingdom principles. Jesus had taught them using the Old Testament scriptures so that they could see him in Deuteronomy. They could see him in the Psalms, see him in Isaiah, see him through the text that they had. These men didn't learn from a pew. They learned from the feet of Jesus. Right, that's a... That's a, that's a <laughs> For the third time in Luke, we see Jesus taking the men aside. The scriptures, showing them from the scriptures. Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished. For he will be delivered to the Gentiles, and will be mocked and insulted and spit upon. They will scourge him and kill him, and on the third day he will rise again. I thought to myself as I processed this, Jesus showing them, explaining to them. I thought to myself how, how so many people discard the Old Testament truths. The Old Testament pictures of, of Jesus and, and, and the cross. When these Old Testament texts are, are proofs, there are evidence. I had, a, I had one of our teens ask there Friday night, how do I know heaven is real? How do we answer? The Bible says so. God says so. Right, as these, these disciples were, were processing what was going on around them and Jesus was explaining to them as hard as it was to understand, right? I am going to suffer. The Gentiles are going to kill me. How, how hard would that be to understand after following him for three years? Right, it would have been very, very hard. But how was he explaining it? He was showing them in Scripture. 
Right? He was speaking on behalf of the Father. You need to believe this. You need to know this. And I think to myself, when you, you follow that, the, the, the text with Jesus' words confirming evidence, proof, right? I mean, this, this is the model that we are called to follow. Because us as believers, we're called to suffer as Christ leads us through things. It's our example as we understand. We, where else do we draw our strength from? Watching how Jesus did not run from uh, fear, right? As God called him to walk through this valley, walk through to Calvary. Jesus didn't run from that. Without the Old Testament scriptures, without, without connecting these dots, without these models, where else do we get the strength to boldly endure our trials, our tribulations, and suffering with a, a testimony? I think of the psalm that we were in Saturday morning about as the Gentiles and nations watch. Psalm 115, verse 2. Right? And oftentimes, I mean, they're watching to see what is different, what, what model we're following, what, what is this about there that, that we have different. But sometimes when we're not connecting those dots, right, we have the Gentiles looking in saying, where is their God? Right? The, 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 this is our model. This is our example. Just a couple thoughts from verse 34 that God laid on my heart. I mean, it, Scripture's open, Jesus explaining, and yet here they are in a place they understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them, and they did not know the things which were spoken. What are the things? Well, if Jesus was showing them the things that the prophets had written, obviously it means the Old Testament Scriptures. The things were the Scriptures, biblical truths. The biblical truths that we hold are to be the first priority for every believer, for every church, right? If we're going to be grounded and standing on a foundation, it is, it is going to the things that were written. These are God's truths for what he calls us to go through. These words are to be first priority in every mature believer's walk with God. Right? As you're going there, Jesus is showing them. These are the, the groundworks. And I think in today's day and age, and we can include the COVID era, and we can include a lot of things that are going on, where does this fit? In this place, these disciples were going to face one of the darkest times in history. And Jesus was showing them the, the mooring, the foundation for that. Just humor me and turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4. It's such a, a pertinent thing for today's day and age when we have people reaching, reaching for anything, reaching for everything. 2 Timothy chapter 4. As I, I mean, again, we're going through some difficulties. We're going through some um, different series of things. But the model here is Jesus is preparing these disciples for this, this path that they're going to have to take. Right? He's showing them from the Word of God. He's confirming. He, he's, he's revealing. He's explaining. He's showing there. And, and Timothy was in the same place. Right? 2 Timothy chapter 4. In a time where, where things outside the church, in the church, were, were just just up in the air they're facing there's some hardships he says to timothy i charge you therefore before god and the lord jesus christ who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom right we've been there we're following that through we will stand before christ one day preach the word just parts of it 
All of it. That's right. Preach the word. Why? Because this is what leads us through fill in the blank, whatever we're facing. Right? And it's no longer just about sickness. It's no longer just about grief. We're living in a world that, that is, is churning, for lack of a better word, in confusion and chaos. But so were the disciples. They were about to step into the worst, darkest time in history. Jesus opens the word. What are we called to do? Preach the word, right? Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. Teaching what? The word. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. Right? What they want to hear. The emptiness, the, the, the wallowing in the miseries. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you, Timothy, the born-again believer, but you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of evangelists, and fulfill your ministry. Fulfill it. But it all comes back to the Word. Right? And that grabbed me this week there. I mean, when people are reaching for solutions, I don't see this as part of their solution. I don't see this as their mooring. It, it, it really, really needs to be. Lawrence made a comment there on Saturday morning about sometimes it takes a while for the light bulb to come on, right? And, and to see the need and begin to understand these things. And I mean, when we look at verse 34 of Luke 18, but they understood none of these things, I want to show them a measure of grace here. <laughs> I really do. They had a lot going on. They had a lot on their plate. But they had an open scroll, if you say, you know, a scroll before them with the prophecies. They had Jesus explain it to them, and yet they were still in a place where they did not understand. They understood none of these things. We keep traveling down that, and again, we'll, we'll just bring back there. Your life reflects whether you understand these truths. Your life reflects whether you know what Jesus has been telling you and as you seek to, seek to follow him in obedience, it is according to these truths. So we're back to the beginning there, right? Their right belief equals right behavior. Your life will reflect what you believe, what you're reading, what you understand. And that probably explains a lot of the mess that's going on, even in evangelical circles. Right? It's, it's understanding these things. So just continue with me. In verse 34, they understood none of these things. The saying was hidden from them, and they did not know the things which were spoken. I want you to pause and just think on that for a second. And this is where the student of the word comes out. As Luke writes these words under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, how did he know that the apostles didn't understand? How, how did he know that what Jesus was showing, that word hidden means concealed. Right? How did he know that it was concealed if Luke wasn't there? How did Luke know that they didn't know? And the solution to that is simply Luke was talking to one of the men that were there. Right? As Luke is writing, it's 30 years after this event is taking place, after this conversation is happening. Luke is interviewing one of the apostles that is openly admitting he did not understand what Jesus was showing him. He did not understand what Jesus had been teaching or trying to prepare him with, which means that this was a reflection from a man who was 
there, right? A reflection of one of the dis disciples that are the apostles that were there that didn't understand. <laughs> Every one of these apostles had a shortcoming for what follows. We're about a week and a half from Calvary. And every one of these apostles didn't understand what Jesus was showing them. Didn't understand, didn't connect the dots with Scripture. Didn't, didn't have that seated belief. And we see each one have a shortcoming in what follows. I put the word, and maybe I put it up in the slide, I don't know. I, I put failed miserably. I, I thought about it afterwards, maybe that was a little harsh. <laughs> right? But you start, pro why, why was there failure? Why, why, why do we see them falling short of, of, of what they should have been doing? It was because they didn't understand what Jesus was showing them from Scripture and from His words. Can you imagine being this man 30 years later, Luke interviewing, looking back over the decisions that you were making at the time and, and how it led you and led them in their decisions and reactions? Remembering what he did and realizing why. It didn't, didn't really matter which, which apostle it was, but why was he found running in the garden when the, 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 the legion showed up? Why was he found running? Why was there an abandoning a ship? Why was there a struggling with deep-seated fear, deep-seated doubt, deep-seated disbelief? The answer comes back is because he didn't understand. He didn't understand what Jesus was showing him from Scripture. didn't understand what Jesus was, was placing before them. They understood none of these things. And their behavior, their life decisions, the results reflected that. To understand the things of Scripture is to live them. Maybe I should say that one more time. To understand the things of Scripture is to live them. As Jesus prepared these men... And again, I just, just looking at this verse, as Jesus prepared these men for what they would see, hear, face, struggle. I mean, Jesus was preparing them for that glimpse of his visage being marred from those beatings and the whips. Can you see your best friend being mutilated? You know, pushed through the streets carrying a cross. You know, that's not something you want to just walk in on. Right? Jesus was preparing them. He was showing them from Scripture so that they could understand, so they would be prepared for when that time came. Jesus gave them the words that they would need for spiritual strength to stand during one of the darkest times of human history. If there was ever people, men, godly men, that wanted to give up, I imagine it would have been that. You know what? I, I, I can't believe what I'm seeing. I, I give up. I can't do this. If there was ever a time, Jesus was, was giving them the words that they would need for spiritual strength. Jesus was placing the hope of their salvation before them. As even, I mean, it wasn't just about the death here, was it? Verse 33, they will scourge him and kill him, and on the third day he will rise again. This is the hope. He didn't leave them in despair. He was giving them the end of this story. He was showing them. I also think, and this would just be a, a personal one, that as Jesus shared this with his inner circle and, and with the 12 that he had close around him for support and encouragement, right? He was preparing them so that they could serve him during this time as well. Right in the garden. Right as, as he was preparing himself for what he was about to face. 
But when I think about the effects when you don't understand or these things are hidden or you're not applying yourself to grasp what God is saying from his word, we find these believers, these 12, right, and, I, and have grace with them. This is our future church, first future church planters. We find these 12, James and John, arguing in their midst about who will be greatest in the kingdom. Right? Why? Because they didn't understand none of these things. Right? They're arguing about who will be greatest in the opinions, my way, my place. I mean, we, we see the, that narrative. I mean, the group is angry with them. The worst moment of history is upon them, and all they can think about is self, me, my life. Wrote this down, self-preservation over obedience at the feet of Christ is a horrible thing to watch. Right, the idea of me, right there, and protecting me and getting what's due me, right? it's a horrible thing to watch. Why does that take place? Because they don't understand none of these things. The sayings were hidden from them. They did not know the things which were spoken. They didn't, they didn't grasp what the word of God was being presented before them. We find Peter telling the king of kings, lord of lords, what to do, how to run his, his church as he's watching Peter's feet in John 13. I mean, I can't imagine what that must have been like afterwards when you're you know, meditating on, did I actually do that to Jesus? Right? But why? Because they understood none of these things. What you biblically believe will determine how you biblically live. You keep going with that. The future church is found sleeping when Jesus needed them most in the garden. Right? The future church is found sleeping when Jesus needed them the most. They're found abandoning Jesus entirely in the garden, fleeing, fearful. Right? These men that had everything laid before them, they were, they were prepared. They were running in fear, leaving anxious doubt. And then, of course, Peter's found denying the very faith in Christ, his association with them. Why? Because they didn't understand, or they understood none of these things. How important is it to understand the Word of God? Study it. Meditate pour heart and soul, you know, blood, sweat, and tears into it there. I mean, this is our mooring. This is our grounding. So let's just follow verse 34 to its conclusion. Um, Luke chapter 23, and this will be very quick. Luke chapter 23, and I'm just presenting these verses so that you can um, read them. But you have uh, disciples that don't understand any of these things. It's concealed to them. And Luke chapter 23, verse 27 says, A great multitude of people followed him, and the women who also mourned and lamented him. I'm, I part, there was a group watching Jesus being led to be crucified, right? Still not understanding. Verse 35, and the people stood looking on, still not understanding. How do I know that? Luke chapter 24. Now on the first day, this is the resurrection, this is the exciting part afterwards. Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Why? He'd risen, right? And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments, then, as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, 
Why do you seek the living among the dead? Strange question, but the next verse explains it. He is not here, but risen. Remember, remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee. We looked in that. Luke chapter 9, right? Verse 22. Remember, do you remember when Jesus told you? Do you remember when Jesus was showing you? Would have saved a lot of grief here, wouldn't it, if they had just listened and understood? Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day risen again. And they remembered his words. They remembered his words. Then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. So the women returned, speaking to the disciples, the apostles, sorry, it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. And yet even then, and we, we will stop here, I won't keep going, but even then, and their words seemed to them like idle tales, and they did not believe them. Processing how even after You've got these men hearing the words, the testimony of the woman, testimony of the angels. They had the testimony of Jesus himself. They had the testimony of scriptures. And yet they still found themselves in the place of, and I'll just, I'll just put the, the label doubt on it. Right? How important is it to come to the word of God? For, for our foundation, for our belief, for, for our, our life and practice. What a believer biblically believes, understands and knows, will be seen in how they behave, regardless of the life situations, circumstances, and events. It all comes back to understanding what God calls us to. Application. There are two groups of born-again believers in the church facing life, right? And I'm sure we could branch it out a little bit. You've got one who have open Bibles remembering the words of the Lord, hopefully at the start as they're going through whatever it is, right? As we're, we're seeking to endure and persevere, right? We're remembering the words of the Lord. Their lives reflecting faith, obedience, hope, trust, and desiring for Christ's appearing. Right? That, that is one group. The Word of God is open. They're, they're gathering. They're praying. They're, they're looking towards that. And the second group are those that understand none of these things. Right? It's pretty simple. Just, just verse 34. Right? Because their lives are not seen living with these, these important attributes of the believer. Those that understand none of these things, these, things are, these sayings are hidden from them, and they do not know the things that have been spoken. And I think to what we're seeing today, and I really also wish that COVID just wasn't happening. <laughs> there's, there's much, much good that's coming from it. You know, our ministries are, are thriving spiritually because of it. I mean, I, I, wish, I wish more people could be serving in the things that I'm doing. Just the conversations, teens open, talking about eternity, talking about fear, uh, when SWAT resumes, I, I, I just can't wait to have the young ones in hear about their Christmas and how, how they're processing you know, all the things that have gone on. God is working wonders. 
But if this isn't open in the believer's life, I'm afraid the churches are full of people that are just living like the world. And we're seeing that in the fears, we're seeing that in the attitudes, we're seeing that in the, the, the coming out in the wash. We need to understand the things. <laughs> and I'll just end there. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for these verses. I thank you for Calvary. I thank you for your spirit that you sent. Lord, I pray for strength. Lord, I pray for a, a spiritual growth over this church family during this time as we do look at things that we've taken for granted for a long time. And here we are, well, we're almost 11 months into this COVID thing, Lord, and there doesn't seem to be an end in sight. Lord, I pray that you would drive us to our knees quicker in prayer. Lord, I pray that you would have us running to your word. You would have us running to the support of brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, I pray that you continue to grow us and protect us, Lord. Protect us spiritually from, from all the, the things that the enemy brings up, the distractions, or the things that draw us away from, from what we know we need to be doing, the things that, that we need to be preparing for. Lord, and I pray in light of, of the ministries that, that were mentioned, Lord, I pray that you would just take the seeds that are being planted, the seeds that are being watered. And I pray that you would use this COVID era to bring people to yourself, that people would be saved. Lord, those that, that know you have made decisions at camp would all of a sudden find themselves realizing, hey, this is where faith needs to kick in. This is where I need a, that, that living, functioning fellowship with Christ. And I pray that you would do so. And I pray that us as a church would be we available and, and, and participating in, in whatever it is that you're leading in. Lord, I pray that that's very clear. But Lord, we would, we would make sure that we're where you want us to be. And I pray that you would just continue to move through this community. We're thankful for, for the lives that you're touching conversation that are being had the statements that are that are, are just recognizing you and i pray that you would give us the energy to keep on top of it and i pray these things in your precious name amen